One of the issues for the Nashos is they're a forgotten part of Australia's war history. The worst part about it was when they said it's all over with now, like a door being shut and you're left in the dark, and the hardest part was transitioning back into civilian life. They had to survive afterwards themselves. Loads of them couldn't because there's been many suicides. You're listening to The Men Australia Forgot, following the stories of Australia's last conscripts and their path to reparation. Yes, welcome back to Men Australia Forgot. My name's Aidan Taylor. It's wonderful to have your company. You can email me anytime on themenaustraliaforgot at gmail.com. That's one word, themenaustraliaforgot at gmail.com. And Happy New Year. Jeez, I can't believe I'm saying that. I shouldn't be saying that. It's January the 17th for crying out loud. But no, I think we can let it slide because it is the first episode of the new year. It's the first time we've met here in 2024. So I thought that this was a great opportunity to take stock of everything Nash Ofego achieved last year and look at what's to come because this is a really important 12 months for Nash Ofego who are pushing for those reparations for the Nashos of 65 to 72. So I thought this was a great chance to take stock of it all and unpack what's to come. And for the very latest, I caught up with their president, Jeff Parks, who stopped by for a chat yesterday on January the 16th. And this is how it all played out. Now, there's a major change happening inside Nash Fergo HQ in terms of how it's run, and we'll find out what that is and what it means for everyone later in the episode. And we've also got a major backflip on our hands to report. Nash Fergo has stopped its push for the gold card, but it's not as bad as it sounds and not all is lost. So I'll tell you why very shortly. But to kick things off, it's now January 16. 2024, 693 days since Jeff and the team formed on February 22nd, 2022. So I thought we'd start the year off right by looking back on the last 12 months and previewing what's still to come, the big ticket items for this year, because as I said at the top, there's plenty happening and a few surprises thrown in there as well. And who better to join me than the man himself, Nash Ofergo, President Jeff Parks. Jeff, g'day, mate. How are you? G'day, Aiden. Thanks for the big build up there. Yeah. How's the last year been for you, Jeff? I mean, a lot has happened. How would you rate last year? Well, I think it's been very satisfying in a lot of ways. Um, I think we've made a lot of progress in the, uh, obviously, gathering members. We've now got 3,158, I think, as of this morning. And um, obviously, the more members, the stronger we get. And I think that's played across into our um ability to communicate with DVA. We seem to get a lot more uh, response, a lot quicker response from the senior people in DVA, which is great. I've had help with individual cases where people have uh, been getting the raw end of the the stick and uh, they've actually gone out of their way to help us a bit. So yeah, we see a lot of improvements and things happening. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate the progress that you made in the last year? I think we're about six. Six? <laughs> yeah. I'll, got- I'll cover off. We'll, we'll go through some of the reasons why shortly and what you hope to achieve. But if you could summarize why that is, just give me a brief summary of that. Well, obviously, our end goal is to get be- medical dental benefits for our members, uh, we, the me- benefits we believe we deserve in reparation for the two years of our lives we lost. But uh, we also understand that's probably not going to happen overnight and that we have to build mm. up. And 
a lot of the things that are happening uh, show that we are making progress and uh, the government, especially the minister and the Department of Veterans Affairs, know who we are and um, they know what we want. So I think we're giving it a good shot. Um, I don't think we're going we kid ourselves we're going to get it tomorrow. Yeah, and I think the point that's really been emphasized to me over the last year and a half that you've been running is that there's so much more to what you're doing than just getting benefits. You're creating a community for Nasho Fair Go and for all of these men who previously thought that they had no one. So that's a very powerful thing and you should be commended on that. But what I'm interested in is that your days as an association are over. You're now registering to become a company. So just tell me more about that and, and what benefits it will provide you going forward. Well, it's just a matter of um, legalities, really. One of our members, a uh, fellow from Sydney, Keith Roberts, is a very smart, skilled man in uh, working with not-for-profit organisations, uh, contacted me uh, probably middle of last year and said, um, you're probably now starting to operate outside of the legal uh, abilities of a Victorian registered association. And we were just an association of six blokes uh, who originally started up um, National Fair Go as a Victorian association. Now we have members uh, right throughout the country, uh, all the states and territories, and um, we derive more than 50% of our income through our merchandise sales and our memberships uh, subscriptions through that we Australia-wide, and more than 50% comes from outside of Victoria. So that being the case, we legally uh, should not be trading as a Victorian association. So we are very uh, quick, as quickly as we can, moving towards a company limited by guarantee. Yeah, so that'll just allow you to operate legally, so to speak. And you mentioned before about the significant growth that you've had which is fantastic. You were saying it was it was over 1,000-something members. What was it again? No, we've got 3,158 3, members as of this morning. So you've gone from six blokes about a year and a half ago to over more than 3,000 in such a short amount of time. That must make you feel bloody good. Yeah, it is. It's terrific. Uh, obviously, there's a need for it, and I think that's the biggest thing that uh, we have had no trouble when we get our – a story out to people and they uh, find out who we are and what we're doing, we don't have any trouble signing them up and they're happy to pay their $30 membership. We get a lot of uh, good feedback through the fellowship that we're creating in every state. We're having um, gatherings of men where they get together and they can talk about issues. They can talk about things that only ex-servicemen can talk about to each other. So Just a and sorry to catch you on the hop here with a with a question, but do you know which state accounts for the most members? Yeah, Victoria is the biggest. Um, and I suppose that's probably um, explainable in the fact that that's where we started. And we did uh, the first ad we did was in the Melbourne Age. We ran that twice. Then we ran the Herald Sun just to get a feel for how things would go. And then we advertised mm. Australia-wide. But for some reason, uh, Victorians have jumped on board in the greatest percentage. Uh, Tassie punches well outside its weight. We've got uh, 3% of them, our members from 2% of the Australia's population. New South Wales, not as good as we like. Queensland, very good. West Australia, very good. South Australia, 
they're not so good. But uh, they're coming along. There's good numbers in each state. And so you mentioned before there was about a $30 registration fee for Nash Fair Go. So what does that money go towards? Because people might see it go out of their bank, but they don't necessarily know how it's actually helping the running of the uh, the company. So just help us understand that. Yeah, well, every, we are absolutely not-for-profit, nobody involved in the uh, administration, the board or this committee as it is now or the board as it will be, gets a single cent out of it. It's basically every cent that comes in uh, through our membership and our merchandise sales like this shirt, if, if anyone wants one. Um, and the one, yeah, you got it there. Um, it's a bush hat as well. Uh, you can buy replica medals and everything through our store. All the profit from that goes back into advertising. And uh, so every cent that we make and we generate we spend on advertising for new members or public relations, which we've started on um, with your help. You put us in contact with a good PR bloke and um, that's proved very successful as well. So uh, it just allows us to spend more money and getting more members and the more members we get, the more money we get, the stronger we get and the louder our voice gets and uh, that's, that's our goal. And those advertisements, they are having a tangible impact, right? Like you are seeing an uptick in the number of members who are coming on board who previously had no idea you existed. Yeah, well, we've only got 10% of the potential yet, just over 10%. Uh, There's probably 30,000 that are still alive. Uh, Mm. Sorry, that's my computer telling me something. No, you're all good. Um, Yeah, uh, so we've still got a long way to go as far as getting them all, but... um, we certainly uh, we're on the way, and I suppose you know, as you say, just under two years, it's been a pretty, uh, pretty satisfying growth. And it's good to see the money being put to good use as well, and putting back into the community that you've started here. Now, I mentioned at the top that you have some big news in relation to the gold card. It's not what everyone was expecting. I just want to play you this. So this is um, this was Neil Mitchell on Three AW talking to the Veterans Affairs Minister Matt Keogh in. April last year. And just quickly, there was another question from a man representing national servicemen who didn't serve in Vietnam. And the argument I believe they put to you is for the gold card to be extended to them, even though they weren't in a war zone. Is that being considered? Uh, so I've, I've received the representations. I've met with uh, the people that are running that campaign around gold card. There are some elements about what we are proposing in our uh, re- legislative reform that would expand eligibility for gold card, which uh, it may pick up some of our national servicemen. Um, so there is some uh, elements of that which would meet some of what they are okay. after in that regard, but it would not go the whole way of what they are seeking at this stage. So what I want to know is, Jeff, why have you stopped pursuing the gold card? Because as you heard there, and it was actually in March last year that Matt Keir said that, not April, but he just spoke about very early on that the gold card, it, it seemed like it was never really a realistic objective. What's your read on that? Yeah, well, I suppose the only negative feedback we've ever had through this campaign has been through a very, very small number of Vietnam vets who um, feel that perhaps uh, we shouldn't be given the gold card because they had to go to Vietnam to get it. So rather than risk negative feedback, um, when I do stuff... um, in the press, etc., uh, on radio, I don't want people to um, take that on board as the big negative. We're after medical and dental benefits. Uh, we believe we're entitled to them. 
the gold card is a very comprehensive scheme. It supposedly costs $28,000 per man per year, mm. and that's been told to me by the minister himself. I yeah. don't think we uh, would require anything like that to satisfy the needs of our members. We need, basically, we need private medical and dental health without excesses so that uh, when we need new knees, and I'm coming along for one myself soon, um, that we don't have to go into a two-year waiting list. Uh, a lot of our knees are buggered from running around in boots in their own Nassau mm. days. So, um, but uh, we really uh, are after benefits, but we don't specifically need something as comprehensive as the gold card. And if it's going to not create any negative feedback from the Vietnam vets, well, we're quite happy not to ask for it. So do you get a sense you've bowed to that political pressure then? Yeah, a little bit. Um, but... Um, Look, if it's also not going to be feasible from mm. DVA's side, then I don't see that there's a lot of point in pushing something that's only going to get pushed back. So yeah. uh, Mr Keogh has told me that uh, we would add something like $1.5 billion to the budget if they were to give us all a gold card. Uh, yeah. We think that's ridiculous. So... Um, yeah, actually, I am starting to talk to some medical, private medical health insurers just on how okay. much it would cost. And That's um, interesting. Uh, if DVA can't come up with a scheme, well, maybe we can. But um, yeah, I don't know how much of the, the $28,000 that goes in the gold card per man per year is mm. spent on DVA bureaucracy either. It seems to be a lot of them, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. And I guess the good thing is and the silver lining in what Matt Keogh was saying there to Neil Mitchell is that he hasn't written off the gold card entirely for those certain uh, portions of or those certain nashos who did serve in areas that were never classified as war zones, you know, the likes of Graham Parler, those sort of blokes who experienced confrontations on the front line that haven't been recognized. So that's a good sign. So you're not going to lose out by going for these private, this private medical and dental care, are you? I hope not. <laughs> That's not the goal. Um, I just want to say one thing about the Vietnam folks too. There is a, const a sort of a, a, a misconception and a constant um, theme when you talk about Vietnam vets that every bloke who went to Vietnam fought in a battle. Well, that's not the yeah. way the army works. For every man, uh, infantryman or um, maybe artillery, armoured corps, engineers that are actually in a battle situation, there's another seven or eight behind the lines that are required to make the army work. So yeah. all those guys who went to Vietnam qualify for the gold card. As you yeah. rightly just said, we have blokes who went to Malaya and Borneo and were under fire and people in New Guinea also who carried live ammunition who uh, have received nothing. Now, it just doesn't seem fair to us that uh, all the blokes who went to Vietnam get a gold card, yet uh, none of us get one. It's just uh, an imbalance. Now, if the blokes who went into battle, I've got no um, qualms with that because yeah. there's nothing as terrifying as being shot at, I would imagine. So providing that Minister Keogh can eventually get to the stage where he is assessing Nashos for the gold card on a case-by-case -case basis and providing that you can get that private medical and dental care for the rest of the Nashos, how will that set you guys up? What impact will that have on your lives? Well, obviously, a lot of us are not financially um, 
settled uh, that well off. A lot of our members are on the Commonwealth pension, um, mm. Centrelink pension, and they live from pension to pension, you know, and uh, private medical insurance is just out of their reach. Uh, as we've said before, a large number of our members have complaints that they attribute to their service yeah. uh, that they're living with. Uh, 40% have arthritis, 20% depression, 20, 21% anxiety, 12% drug and alcohol dependent. Um, so there's a lot of issues that these blokes have got uh, and they basically, a lot of them have not got the financial resources to get private medical help for it. So that's what we're after. So it's going to make a huge difference then to your lives oh, hell yeah. and take some of that pressure away yep. um, and wondering where that next payment's going to come from if, if indeed you do have these medical um, emergencies pop up. Yeah. Hey, we get, I think I might have told you before, the blokes that uh, have the veteran white card, the only benefit that we got, if they have a Commonwealth pension, they don't get anything else. The guys who are self-funded retirees get $6.60 or they have got $6.60 a fortnight. It really? just went up to $6.71. You can't even get a cup of coffee with that these yeah, days. I just looked in my bank yesterday. I'm, I'm still working. but uh, uh, So hang on, just to backtrack for a second, Jeff, sorry to cut you off if you because I'm conscious of time here, but you did you say that if they have a Commonwealth pension, they can't get the white card? Did I Correct. read that right? Correct. Why is that? Has, have you received any clarification on that? Oh, it's just that's a policy of both Commonwealth and state governments. If you're getting that Centrelink pension, so you, yeah. you get other benefits and discounts and things. But um, you, this is that's it's not a pension. It's the six dollars seventy one is classed as a supplement, mm. and it's there to help you with your, your um, prescriptions. I believe is the purpose of it. But uh, they're already getting um, their prescriptions um, at, discounted underneath their uh, with their um, Commonwealth pension card. Yeah, so, um, that's it. You only get but it's buy the pie once. Yeah, that's an issue we might have to look into, Jeff, because that doesn't seem right. If they are on six dollars a fortnight or six thirty six, whatever the figure was, and they've been omitted from the white card, which would help them much more than that supplement, we have to look into that as well. No, look, I might have said that wrong. The people, all our members are entitled to accept the CMF blokes, and that's another issue, as you know. We're, we're battling on behalf of them. The blokes who did CMF don't get the white card. All our other members are entitled to the white card. Oh, okay. But the blokes who have the white card and do not get a Commonwealth pension like myself, who I'm still working, yeah. we get $6.71 now. Oh, I see. It's just gone up $0.11. Cents. Um, no back pay. But um, the guys who do get a pension, they don't get the $6.71. So the people who really need it don't get it. Yeah, okay. Thank you for clarifying that, Jeff. And also looking ahead to 2024, what are the big ticket items for you? Well, we really want to boost our a public relations um, effort. We want to get our story in front of as many people as we can. And thank you so much for helping us with that, Aidan. It's um, terrific. Uh, these are terrific podcasts you're doing and um, we we're trying to publicise them as much as possible because uh, hearing our story, uh, I think most people would agree that we have been treated rather shabbily. And uh, so it's just a matter of keeping our uh, story in front of the public and we're also uh, 
stepping up our writing to politicians, the minister uh, and the prime minister to tell him what the story is. Um, there's a few side issues. We have another big one with um, a group of national servicemen who got out when Gough Whitlam got in, didn't serve their full 18 months. They have had their um, discharge certificates marked discharged under extreme hardship. And they are deeply resentful for this because mm. they were not under extreme hardship. It was just a ploy by the Whitlam government to get them out of the army. Uh, the, I, we don't believe Whitlam had the authority to discharge them uh, at all, to send them home, because the National Service Abolition Act wasn't passed until later on in, in 1973. So those guys did not qualify for the free cancer treatment and the housing loan uh, or the Australian Defence Medal that the blokes like me who served after December 7, 72 and did their full 18 months. They are so angry about this and uh, that's another case we're pushing with the Department of Defence at the moment with Mr Miles. We'll look into that as well, Jeff, um, especially that one about the um, the discharge papers as well because I can only imagine the immense shame that they would feel for having a discharge paper that says what that says. Yeah, they feel really uh, savage about this because they were ashamed to show people their discharge certificate. People yeah. say, well, you're qualified for the Australian Defence Foot Medal. No, I, I can't get that because I didn't do the full 18 months that was required to serve, finish out my service. They feel a stigma as a result of it. So if it's one that you can follow up with, I can give you any number of these blokes. There's probably about 400 of our members affected and they are ropeable. And uh, mm. I think I copied you in on an, in, um, an email I sent to Mr. Miles about it, asking yeah. him to look at this, address this egregious wrong. It's a time for this after 50 odd years for him to get in and fix it. And Jeff, I've just remembered as well, I wanted to ask you this. So in relation to the gold card, you've been campaigning so heavily for that and you built your whole purpose and your mission on that. So what would you say to Nashos out there who have heard this news just now and they've been left feeling a bit deflated by that because it did form such a big part of that original purpose? Well, yeah, we put out bulletins every two weeks, usually to go to all our members through our database, um, and we've certainly uh, explained that to every member. We've we've said it not once but several times, um, mm. and the reasons behind it, and um, have had ninety nine point nine percent positive feedback about. Okay. It. Uh, That's good. Better off not to ask for something we can't get or have little chance of getting. Better off yeah. to be um, reasonable and um, put forward something that we can get. Yeah. And Jeff, I'm conscious of time. You've got two minutes here, but just explain the very important meeting that you have coming up in the next, at 10.30, your time. Yeah. Well, um, we have a complaint in with the Human Rights Commission in that they the Department of Veterans Affairs has discriminated against us on account of our age. We discussed the white card, the veteran white card before. Uh, nearly 75% uh, of our members had never heard of the white card before they joined us. We have gone to DVA and said, well, the reason people don't know about it is that you've never publicised it in any mainstream media, radio, TV or newspapers, and uh, we think that is an absolute disgrace. The only place a person could have found out about it is on the computer on your website 
and um, our people, only 74% of our people even use computers, 26% are computer illiterate, 6% don't even have a computer in the house. So there's no way, and we left the army 50-odd years ago, unlike a regular soldier who might have spent 20 years in the army and knew all these rights inside and out. We got out, we weren't told nothing. The free cancer treatment, which I'm entitled to, the defence housing loan, uh, a lot of those things, the medals, we were told nothing about it on the way out. It was just get out of here and don't give the guards any cheek on the way out. So we have put a complaint in with the Human Rights Commission and we are asking that they... Sorry. <laughs> it's my... Well, they are, yes, that um, they uh, are now in communication with DVA and um, we are hopefully going to enter into conciliation and we are hoping that they put pressure on Veterans Affairs to uh, publicise the existence of the white card Australia-wide through um, mainstream media, TV, radio and television, um, we'll watch newspapers. We'll watch that one very closely. Jeff, you got to run. I've got to run. It's a pleasure having you on board. Thanks so much for your time today. Okay, mate. Thank you so much for your support as always. Cheers. You're very welcome. There he is, Jeff Parks, the president of Nasho Fairgo, filling us in on what they achieved last year and previewing a very big year ahead. And that's all from me today. You can email me anytime, themenaustraliaforgot at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear your stories. If you've got an issue to raise, let us know via email or messenger on Facebook. But for now, our time is up. I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.